Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I walked in on the shift and they said, This is going to be your shift partner for the overnights. And this is Janet. And I went, Oh. Oh, they were overnights? They were overnights, my friend. <laughs> That's the flirty shift. And we fell in love, like, <laughs> right? Because when everybody's gone to bed, all you have to do is just talk away your lives. And of course, we were lesbians. So all we do is access our emotions. <laughs> so. so that was your love language. You're just like, teach me, Janet. Teach me, Janet. And then she taught me more than I, I knew I needed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, listen, the lessons just kept coming. They just kept coming. <laughs> I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer folks step into a phone booth and then come out looking exactly the same because, I don't know, what's there to improve? Where do I start? I think we're in good shape. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. I think I went higher than I've ever gone for that plus. Canonically, if you look back in the show... Welcome back. Here we are, episode three, season four, blasting through just a real uh, new era of sweet little queer monsters. And my guest today is absolutely no exception. I'm a longtime fan of this wonderful person, and it was my joy to invite them into the dark cave in which I uh, invite all my guests and ask them to dial back into their fractured childhoods but they made it wonderful. They made it a joy. You just wait because my guest today is Trey Anthony. Oh, sweetheart, Trey Anthony, magician, Trey Anthony. Wonderful, Trey. You know Trey, but if you don't, what's wrong with you? Here we go. Fun fact, Trey Anthony was born the same year as me, 1983, and we've had similar trajectories, so that might not be so surprising for some of you to learn, but let's learn more about Trey. Trey is a British-born Canadian playwright, actor, and producer, best known, of course, for her award-winning play and television series, Da Kink in My Hair. Da Kink in My Hair was such a force on the Toronto theatre scene and the international theatre scene, and really kind of, I think, led to Trey's meteoric rise, uh, which you will hear a little bit about in this episode. Back to the bio. As a producer, she worked for the Women's Television Network and the Urban Women's Comedy Festival. She founded Trey Anthony Studios, a television and theater production company dedicated to producing new works of theater. Also, did you know, 
Anthony is the first black Canadian woman to write and produce a television show on a major primetime Canadian network. Talk about a trailblazer who is now creating the same opportunities for the next generation. Trey has won many, many, many awards for her work, including an NAACP Theatre Award, a Gemini Award, a Harry Jerome Award, and a Gal Canada Queering Black History Award, and my very, very favorite, the Eve Ensler Vagina Warrior Award, which I've been shortlisted for several times, but never quite clinched. So you don't need to hear any more proof that this is an episode you're going to want to sit down for. Trey's an absolute treat. It was uh, a pleasure to really get to take this time and learn more about the forces that seeped into their brain throughout their life, including a very special slow dance, which you're going to hear about. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. My time with the one and the very only Trey Anthony. You made me quit. I really like those earrings. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can represent for us, you know? <laughs> yes, I love it. I mean, I'm I've been on the cusp of getting an ear pierced and it feels like, you know, I'm almost 40. So it feels like time to do something okay. different. What do you say? Should I do it? Of course. You only live once. You only live once. Why not? What, what are we waiting for? I don't understand. <laughs> You're right. What are we waiting for? If not to j just stab a hole through something. That's it. That's it. And if That's you don't like it, it closes back up, right? So you're, you're okay. I mean, I guess you're right. It's something yeah. I've thought of as permanent, but I mean, it just, the body is remarkable, Trey. Yes. Yeah, because I used to have three piercings along my, my ear, and I forgot about, I think, about one of them. And so one of them closed up. So now I only have two in one knee, but I used to have three, but it closed up by itself. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I had a friend take it up here saying the same thing happened. It, you'd think it would take longer for the body to close up like that. How, like, how long were, did you take the piercing out for? I took it out for probably about nine months. Yeah, about nine months. Okay. Between well, six to nine months. That's a time. very long time. I'm not so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it closed up. It closed up. So I was like, oh, okay. And that okay. was the end of that. Well, duly noted. So I'll think about it. And if I do do it, I'll keep the piercing in. Yeah. So I think I'm going to seize this segue right away because sometimes the segue comes slower, but I think you have handed it to me on a silver platter. So sometimes we make a choice and we think we're in control of this choice and it feels permanent in the moment. And then before we know it, six to nine months later, that hole has closed up and our body is doing something different and our mind is doing something different. And turns out uh, perhaps there was an external force or an internal force manipulating us. And that we know now, Trey, is the kind of tomfoolery, the trickery that turned us into beautiful queer monsters. So... That's why I've invited you here today, wonderful Trey, with your wonderful earrings, to point the finger of blame once and for all at who and or what Trey Anthony made you queer. I would definitely blame my first partner and my grandmother. <laughs> Not the same person. Not the same person, okay. please, yes. <laughs> okay, important that's, distinction. That's <laughs> okay, so let's start. Why don't we start with the... That would the... be a whole other show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No shame, but a different show. So who do you want to start with, the grandmother or the partner? I would say my grandmother. I would definitely okay. say my grandmother. 
Okay. Um, I feel if if we're going to talk about stereotypical what people perceive as butch lesbians, <laughs> my grandmother was definitely that. Right. Oh, I love that. And I think if she had the freedom, maybe, um, to actually express herself. Um, she probably would have chosen this path. You know, I grew up with a grandmother who used to always say the only guarantee a man brings is he's guaranteed to let you down at some point. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> and so she had this really strong dislike for men. And I kept thinking, how did you end up with six children? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six times. Right. Six times, six times. She had six kids. And my grandmother also was, she liked to wear suits. She really loved a good suit, like a well-made suit. Oh, gorgeous. And she wore these three-piece suits. She was very, and she was very independent and she could do it all. Like, you know, she could hang a picture, she could fix a car, she could cook, you know, and she was very much about, you know, do it for yourself and get it done you know and um also very much about there's nothing as a woman you can't do and so she instilled that in me wow. from the get-go and so i i know that for a fact that she was a person who really stood up too like she really wasn't one of those quiet meek women right like she stood up for herself she stood up for others, you know, and very much an activist in her own way and definitely instilled that in me that if something is wrong, you speak up. I mean, what a role model, what an amazing role model. And I think that's very from anyone who's seen your work or knows you or uh, that's definitely an influence that I think can be seen. So let's go back with grandma. So what are like what were some of these early memories? Certainly you've talked about the clothes, but uh, did you see her often? Did she live nearby? What was the situation? Yes, uh, I was actually raised by my grandmother for a very significant part of my childhood. And um, from eight to I was about 13, I was raised with my grandmother. And then again, um, she came to Canada from 16 to 19. So in England, I was raised with my grandmother um, for time. And then also, Trevor, my mother was a young mom. My mom had me at 17. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother was very instrumental, was definitely the mother figure in my life, even when my mother was present, because my mother was such a young mother and my grandmother had such a strong personality. So I think even if my mother wanted to mother, my grandmother wouldn't allow that. Right. <laughs> right? It's okay. Age aside. Right. So age aside, I don't think mm. she would have. And I was the first grandchild. Okay. And so she had a very definite big influence on my growing up and shaping me. Yeah. And I know, like, of course, you know, with parents or, or grandparents who are raising children, you know, if not socializing them, they sort of dictate the activities they do a lot of time when they're that young because they're the chauffeur or whatever. They're the one getting them there. So you said that your Nana was pretty multifaceted, fixing cars and cooking and doing things like that. What kind of things did she have you do with her? So with my grandmother, we were very much like it's so funny. I write about this in my book. Um, black girl in love with herself where mm. there's a chapter about 
how as black women we get it done even without all of the resources and I talk about my grandmother's youngest son unfortunately was um, incarcerated and the jail where he was was about two hour drive away wow. to go one way and two hours away and every Sunday I have vivid memories of getting up with my grandmother and she would cook dinner and she would put it in an old kind of ice cream container right one of those big ice cream like containers, a tub like a tub yeah and fill it with food to bring to my uncle and we would jump the highway and drive for two hours. And the funny thing is, I say to people, my grandmother was driving dirty. She never had her driver's license. Right? <laughs> she never got her driver's <laughs> And my job was to tell my grandmother, you know, when she could change lanes, and she'd be driving like this, right? Like close to the steering wheel, barely could turn, you know. But we would do that two-hour journey together. <sighs> okay, so just to jump in, so you're saying... Not only did she not have her driver's license, but it also sounds like she maybe wasn't the ablest of drivers. Like she could have used a couple days in driver's exactly. ed. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. And he failed her driver's license seven times. Oh, okay. And was just like, yeah. So she went for it. She, she did tried. go for it. She repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, I can see why they didn't give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so we've got this car. You're basically backseat driving for your safety. Yes. And then there's like a yes. two liter tub of dinner. Yes, Love to bring this. to my uncle so he yeah. could eat. And I think if there's anything that that lesson showed me, you know, is that sometimes rules are meant to be broken, right? Especially when it's about love mm. and when it's about commitments, right? And, you know, not everything applies to you, right? And it's funny, a lot of my exes will say this about me. We're like, you don't think rules apply to you? And I said, I grew up with a gangster grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You had no choice. I had no choice. I had no choice. And so, and in that car, Trevor, we would be driving. And what my grandmother loved to do is let me write stories and tell her stories. And we would make up things. And I would be writing. And she would be adding in things. And it was our time together where we really bonded around creativity, around storytelling. Yeah. And so for me, I feel that aspect of life really shaped me of that two hour drive there and two hour drive back. And also knowing she was a woman who was committed to seeing her child under the worst circumstances. Yeah. And also in the book, I talk about just, it also hurts me to know that as an adult, the only person she could count on go on that journey with her was her nine-year-old granddaughter, yeah, right? So yeah. there's a lesson in that around vulnerability, about being able to ask for help. She never asked anybody to ever drive her. She never asked anyone to go with her. And so there's a lot of lessons in that for me as a woman around asking for help when I need it, right? right. Saying, you know what, you don't got it, you know? And so, but it also was a lesson in saying, sometimes you got to get shit done by yourself. Right? Well, that's the two sides of the coin, right? On the one hand, it's really inspiring to see that independence and that sort of conviction that she had. But like mm -hmm. you said, you know, sometimes, well, thank God you were there. Otherwise, you know, there could have been a 20 car pileup. Yes. <laughs> so you got to ask for help sometimes 100%. And I also love that you are there in the car 
making these stories with her and the the agency you talk about having as a kid and do you feel like you kind of grew up fast in that way because you were you know riding shotgun with an adult definitely i feel for most of my life and it's only now as an adult i'm able to look back at it like the conversations and the manner of support that i was giving to my grandmother really should not have been placed on me as an eight-year-old you know yeah, sure. And I was definitely my grandmother's confidant, her best friend, her emotional support. And so I think that played out in my life in many ways where as an adult, I tend to fix things for people in my life or be the emotional support, right? <laughs> yes, yes, we just saluted our right? therapists. <laughs> right? Yeah. And of course, being a good lesbian, I went to therapy and I realized this about me. Right? <laughs> Brilliant. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is something that I recognized about myself for many years that that was something that was ingrained in me as a child, mm -hmm. that you should be who listens to people. You should be the person who provides solutions. And that's what I did most of my life. Yeah. You know? So, and I think it can be a stereotype for queer folks too. a true stereotype where like one, sometimes we're kind of socially pushed out of other groups because we know we're different yeah. or other people perceive a difference. And the people we often find ourselves with are teachers or parents or, or we become mm -hmm. a little precocious in a way because we have to find someone to connect with. And a lot of the time, that's an adult who's just kind of willing to let you in. And then you're, you become mm -hmm. privy to all of the, like this whole secret world that feels very special. Yes, exactly. 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 Now the yes. question everyone's dying to know is, was your grandmother wearing a three piece suit on those drives? <laughs> no. Okay. I would, I would love to have said yes, because that would have been a whole different thing, wouldn't it then? Yeah. But no, she usually okay. used to wear, but she did wear a, a nice little tracksuit, you know? Oof, like, so yeah. she was very popular with her little tracksuit gear yeah. yes. and, you know, little pants and a little zip up. So, and, and it's funny, that's something that I love wearing when I'm performing a lot is a <laughs> tracksuit, like an Adidas tracksuit. And I got a love of a tracksuit from my grandmother. Oh definitely. my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's the poll quote. Yeah. Thank you for handing that to me. Um, <laughs> now you said like, you think if she had the tools or the words or, or, you know, whatever that she could have come out or she could have realized herself in that way. Is it only looking back now that you sort of see queer coding with your grandma or did you ever talk about anything that kind of made you think that? You know, it's funny, Trevor, when I came out, the person who had the hardest time around acceptance I mean, my queerness was my grandmother. She mm. stopped talking to me many years and even on her deathbed, um, it was something that she asked for me to change about oh. my life. Like that's what she wanted me and a good husband and all of this kind of stuff. And as she puts it, get your life together, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort out your life. So I need you to sort out your life. <laughs> right? Another coded way. Right? Yeah, Could you yeah. never say the word? She just would say, I need you to sort out your life and stop that nonsense. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think I saw it and I knew it, but we never had the conversation. And I don't know, um, the therapist in me wonders if her strong response to me 
was the anger that she had at herself for not being able to live her life authentically, you know? It's very possible. So now I sit back and think about that, like, because there was such a level of rage around it that I just thought, I don't understand this. I don't understand why it's so heavy for you. You know? That totally makes sense. Yeah. And even if it wasn't her orientation or whatever, I think what we see so much of right now, I think especially with regards to maybe transness or just gender performance or quote unquote gender transgression, people feel so threatened or even drag like the idea of the freedom to to cross that boundary is terrifying to people because I think secretly that's such a tantalizing concept for people like imagine if you could just be exactly who you were without apology (laughs) and the the limitless of that freedom i think would shatter some people's worlds it's a very terrifying concept yes definitely i have compassion for that but also no patience (laughs) yes compassion and no patience i agree exactly because i do think about that just of even just the liberties and the freedoms that i have as a woman, as a black queer woman, is something that my grandmother, who presented as a straight black woman, had never had in her entire life, you know? And so I think about that all the time and the way I'm able to move through the world and even something as simple as saying, I see a therapist. My (laughs) grandmother would never have access to those resources, right? I don't know who she would become if someone had allowed her to sit for an hour to just talk about what was bothering her. Could you imagine who she could have become? Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something too generationally. I mean, uh, again, I I mentioned my age and looking at Gen Z or whatever, you know, folks who just have so much language around who they are and so many tools and so many opportunities to discuss these things and connect with one another. I think part of getting older is not like, bestowing your fear on the next generation because they're not afraid of what we're afraid of and it sounds like your grandma had a real fear for you that you didn't need to inherit yes exactly and it is it's such a different way of being in the world and also dealing with emotions like i have a three-year-old son right now Mm. and he's able to so eloquently articulate his feelings and his needs like he'll be like mommy what you said made me sad or i'm mad right now mommy or you hurt my feelings you know and we sit there and we have these discussions right whereas i think to myself like how many times as a child was i told you know what you have to cry about i'll give you something to cry about or fix your face you have no reason to be upset whereas i'm here now you know because i'm so evolved being like, why did that hurt your feelings son? yeah yeah <laughs> you're really mad you know like so it's just a different generation and they have a different level of access to freedom around their emotions as well right beautiful you're right and we just yeah we keep just kind of kicking the can down that sort of genealogical tree and you know in a couple more generations it's all gonna be fine right yeah. unless the world burns down it, it, that too well yeah fingers crossed <laughs> you made me queer we'll be right back 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now, back to more You Made Me Queer. You Made Me Queer! So, definitely, your grandmother made you queer. I am 100% here for it. Let's go to the next thing you mentioned, which was your first partner. Yeah. My first partner was, um, and I can say her name because I asked permission, <laughs> And she's totally out, is uh, my partner, Janet Romero, um, who was my first partner. And at that time, Trevor, when we met, I was engaged to a man about to get married. And I started working at a woman's shelter part time to save up money for a down payment for um, our dream house before we got married. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So when we met, neither one of us were really walking in our queer identity or knew. But I think she had more of an inclination more than I. I was totally in denial <laughs> around my own queerness. Sure. And I think as I witnessed her acceptance and acknowledgement of her queerness, it made me start to really question my own, you know? And also to her response of her family when she came out, the love and acceptance that she got um, made me also see that it was possible for family to love you, right? That it was possible for family to say, it's okay, we don't care, you're our child, you know? And I think for me, I had so much fear around being unlovable, you know? So that was really something that was an eye-opener for me around what unconditional love looks like in families for children. Oof, oof, that's such a beautiful answer. I want to go back to some details in that. You said her name was Janet, I think? Yes, Janet, Okay, Janet. So take me back to, the if you can remember, the first moment you (laughs) clocked Janet and you were like, Oh, okay. And for podcast listeners, I just lowered my sunglasses. (laughs) Do you remember? I do. I do. We were shift partners at this um, homeless shelter for Mm. abused women. Mm. And I walked in on the shift and they said, this is going to be your shift partner for the overnights. And this is Janet. And I went, oh. Oh, they were overnights? They were overnights, my friend. (laughs) That's the flirty shift, night moves. <laughs> right, because when everybody's gone to bed, all you have to do is just talk away your lives. And of course, we were lesbians, so all we do is talk away our lives, access our emotions. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, that's what we did for a good five, six hours a night, right? And we both worked the overnights. Oh and gosh. we fell in love, like, ideas and bull and she was very much um a feminist at that time and i didn't have the language so i learned a lot like it was a learning process 
for me in my queerness of what like feminism stood for, um, classism, racism, you know, systemic st um, racism and all of these barriers. Like she was in the um, Assaulted Women's and Childhood Program. Um, so she was learning all these new concepts mm. and she would impart them and I was learning through her, you know, and it was, and, and I'm also an Aquarian, right? So I don't know if you know this about Aquarius. Tell people. us. We're very much about the, yes, the intellect stimulation and smartness. And yes, you get us with our brains, right? Like <laughs> we love people saying, telling us something we don't know. We're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yes. Right. So that was your love language. You're just like, teach me, Janet. Teach me, Janet. And then she taught me more than I, I knew I needed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, listen, the lessons just kept coming. They just kept coming. Oh, my God. Literally. So I, I love this. I love this night shift and this like free education you were getting and sort of like empowerment and all of these beautiful things dovetailing with like attraction, nascent attraction for the first time. So how who made the first move and how long did it take? You know, this is something, it's funny because we are friends to this day and it's like mm. 20 something years later, right? Um, and we still argue about this, right? By the way, and, that's a lesbian superpower, I think. <laughs> a Where they're like, we broke up and we still talk. <laughs> and the funny thing is I love her current partner and they're mm. like family, like they're godmothers to my son, you know? So this is just typical lesbian behavior yeah. right here. There you go, <laughs> classic. But we still have this debate mm -hmm. about who made the first move. We ended up going to, and now I'm going to age myself. There used to be a lesbian club called Popes, right? Um, okay. Popes. And, yeah. And we went like to Like Carol Popes. Popes? I don't know if it was Carol Popes. I just know it was called Popes. Okay, great. I think it was it's called Pope John the Pope. I know. Not affiliated Popes. with the anyway. Catholic Church in any capacity, I'm assuming. No, I don't think okay. so. Great. I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All clergy. It was so hot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right. So we went there and it was the first time I had actually seen women dancing with other women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? And a slow song came on. And then I looked at her, she looked at me and I said, you want to dance? And both of us were kind of like, oh, okay. Friend from work. Let's do this. Yeah, sure. It's just a friendly dance. It's just a friendly dance. And it started from there. It just kind of... Something happened that night that made me go, I like this. This yeah, feels good. And I love that. Hands moved a bit yeah, more than they needed to. And all of a sudden, I was a lesbian. <laughs> that's, that's how it happened scientifically. The, I wish folks could have seen that. Trey's the hands move motion was, it was a flurry. There was a lot that happened on the dance floor. Do you happen to remember what song you danced to? I wish I did, Trevor. Oh, me I too. Because I, I don't, I don't. And you know what? It's it's because it's so funny. It's it's in that moment, and I think I was just so aware of the fact that I was actually dancing with a woman that that was the only thing going in my head. Like I was like, I'm slow dancing with a woman. Yeah. I've never slow danced with a woman in my life. So I don't, I don't even recall the music. I just remember I was so in my head of oh my gosh. I've never done this yeah. in my life. And what does this mean? Especially because I had a boyfriend at home, right? So it's like, right. what does this mean? Right, yeah, yeah. That, it would necessitate some broader changes if that dance yeah. felt that good. And it felt Oof. that good, 
Yeah, it just felt like a coming of home in that sense. Like it didn't feel like foreign. It actually felt like, oh, this is what you were supposed to be doing. Isn't that so yeah. funny? You know, when folks, and there's so much, and I get it, it's hard. Empathy is hard. And it's hard to imagine life in someone else's shoes, you know, hence our entire political discourse. But all this discussion around like, it's a choice, is it not a choice, nature, nurture, blah, blah, blah. When, you know, listen, listen to queer people were like, this felt in, in the core of my husk of a body, this felt like home. This was right. I knew it. There's no question. Yes, yes, yes. Because it was just the sense of ease and this sense of, even though it was something new, it was so familiar to me. Like, I felt like, oh, how did you not know this? You know, right. um, so instinctively, my body knew this is what I was supposed to be doing all of these years. <sighs> and this is why in the past, it never really quite clicked fully with someone else. That's, you know? that's right. So for me, that was really just a blessing and a reassurance of like just trusting that you know what you know even when you don't know what you know yeah oh i love that that's good advice uh and it's yeah. i'm still i got i want to know that song for the purpose of my uh emotional narrative with you i'm gonna imagine it was whitney houston so emotional but you were both slow dancing to it okay i like that I like that. like to fight the tempo because you were like we're gonna take it back it's a sexy song there's a tight harmony i think it suits you okay I'm, i'll take that i'll take okay. that yes okay. put that in the clip edit that in the clip <laughs> oh well edit in the clip although i do maybe we can fit listen if any past managers from carol's uh no sorry popes <laughs> i'm thinking popes. of carol pope popes. from popes are listening we want that cctv footage we want the footage lifted. We need to know the song that was playing. Contact me here. There you go. Man. Okay. Yes. You got it. So first partner, God bless. What a great story, Trey. Is there anything else or anyone else you want to throw under the bus? You know, I would love to say there was another woman, um, Carol. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. No, but not in a romantic sense. And yeah, this, yeah. this part is, I think, extremely important. And I do want to talk about this is she was the first black woman who I saw who was in a lesbian relationship and had children. Mm. And for the longest time for me, one of the reasons why I felt I was so resistant around actually claiming anything queer in my life and identity is because I always knew I wanted to be a mother. That was mm. something that was so important to me. And I didn't know any queer woman who had children with other children. And I remember the first time I met her um, and she said she had children, I was sooner and I was like, where did you get your kids from? <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> you know? Because I was so ignorant to the fact of that. And it was the first time I actually seen a black woman with another black woman create family. And it really opened the realm of possibilities for me of what queer life could look like. Yes. And that was so important um, because it's so funny. Even now I say to people, I didn't recognize how much having a child sometimes cancels out my queer identity because I get read automatically. Yeah, totally. Right. 
Yeah. And so for me, it was really important for me to be very visible myself as a queer mom. So other women would know it's actually possible for us to have children, create families and all of that. But Carol Thames, her name was Carol Thames, mm. um, was the first person who I ever saw who was a queer black lesbian with a family. I love you calling out first and last name. There's no uh, anonymousness in Trey Anthony's stories. Also, I love that because, you know, Trey, it's so funny. It's almost like representation matters. Yes. There you go. Go yes. figure. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and again, I'm very happy for this next generation because growing up in my generation, mm -hmm. there was no template. So I grew up very Catholic too, you know, which is really mm -hmm. lucky. And yeah. there's just no future for yourself. You're like, what will I do? What kind of shack in the woods will I live in? I guess I'll make friends with the animals, maybe like who will or ghosts? I don't know, like what's left for me. And then, you know, you grow up, like you said, and you meet the Carols and you meet the Janets and the whatever. And bit by bit, you start to piece together this future that is actually absolutely filled with joy if you uh, are just willing to accept it. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the thing because we wanna see authentic layers of what queer life can look like, right? Mm -hmm. And it's always, sometimes it's always the one of like, oh, you lose your whole family, you know, everybody hates you. And as you said, like you're in the shadow in the woods and people <laughs> are praying for your redemption, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so for me, it is around the visibility of being able to stand up and say, you can actually have a really good life, a great life, yeah. right? Because when you stand in your authenticity and truth, I think you automatically start attracting goodness, right? Like that's what I think because people see you in a very real way and they're kind of like, oh, wow, yeah. look at that. Look like, at that. Happiness just coming, yeah. And so for me, it's coming out has been one of my biggest, I think, joys in being able to stand up for myself, really question whether, you know, um, I posted a meme just recently on um, Facebook where it said, my queerness saved my life, right? Mm. Because it made me then really question a lot of things in my life around, does this make me happy? Do these people make me happy? Am I really, do I really need love and acceptance from this or that, you know? And I think it makes you dig deeper. When you live on the margins of society, you then kind of go, oh, let me see if if I really want to be part of this, because I'm already outside of yes. quote, the mainstream. Yeah. So do I really want to be part of this? And how much am I willing to sell to be a part of that? 100%. Right? If you're willing to go there and it's a scary frontier, but you kind of have nothing left yeah. to lose at a certain point. And then yeah. again, to circle back to where we started, and then you get to be free. And once you start being free, it's, it's you know, you don't want to stop. Nothing's worth stopping. So I am going to have to jump in because yeah. unfortunately, Trey, we're almost out of time and Lord knows I can talk to you for eternity. Uh, but before I let you go, would you like to play a very fast game? Sure. Why not? Why <laughs> not? Let's do it. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerer, Queerist. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you three things, Trey. Your job is to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Okay. And we have two minutes to play this game. So we are going to lightning round through it, but I know you are going to crush it. Okay, so thing number one, 
spatter guards. You're cooking something on the frying pan. You have that flat little spatter guard you can put on top of the pan. <laughs> You're with me so far? Oh, uh, cool. Okay, no, no, don't you answer yet. Don't you answer yet. Thing number okay, two. Okay. Thing number two. Do you remember this from the 90s? The Pepsi Challenge. Yes. Yes. So for folks who don't know, this was like a, a product activation where folks would have like a pop-up table and there would be two cans of soda covered and you had to drink them both and guess, is it Coke or is it Pepsi? This big rivalry thing. It was everywhere. The Pepsi challenge, mystery soda. Thing number three, a weekday matinee. That special performance huh? phenomenon, a weekday matinee. So your three things are spatter guards, the Pepsi challenge, and a weekday matinee, least queer to most queer and why? Okay, I would say, Oh my God, the Pepsi challenge, yeah. I would say is the least queer. That right? feels right. I feel that, it, yeah, it feels like, you know, everybody knew about the Pepsi <laughs> challenge, right? I, it's so, so I mainstream. Think, and <laughs> yeah, so mainstream. And then when Michael Jackson did it, so I feel like it's the least queer, right? Okay. And then the spatter guards, I think. I'm wondering if this is a male queer thing because I have never heard of that shit. <laughs> so Whoa, a grease spatter. You don't want to get bacon grease all over your clothes and your face, right? I have never okay. heard of it. I've okay. never heard of it. Fair so enough. I'm going to, that's why I, I was like, maybe it's a male thing, right? I don't know. Maybe it's a class thing. Maybe it's a race thing. I don't know because we, we're just cooking bacon. We're just cooking bacon. It's going everywhere. The grease. Fair and now game. I put it in my air fryer. I put it oh, in my air fryer. Right. You don't need a spatter guard. Yeah, yeah, nothing splatters. Okay. So that's why I said maybe it's a class thing because I don't know about the splattering because I have a fancy air fryer. <laughs> I see. Right? So what you're saying is I should know my station. You know your station. You know my and station. I think I'm above you, right? Okay. <laughs> Noted. And <laughs> to be quite honest, you're probably right. So then that means queerest is the matinee. And I think I'm going to say that because I'm in theater. Yeah. And I think a lot as, as queer folks, especially, um, the lesbian and bi and the trans folks because we ain't got much money sometimes we go to the cheaper matinee shows <laughs> i and love the theater I, do this. I love that answer 100 so percent. it's true and i'm going to check yeah. your marks congratulations trey 100 percent a plus you are in fact a queer person and you have brought me so much joy today getting to speak with you so before i let you go anything you want to plug um i would tell people please follow me on black girl in love and to buy my book, Black Girl in Love with Herself, it's everywhere books are sold. It's also on Audible. So please, please, please buy it, buy it. It's a beautiful book, a memoir book, and it's for everybody. You don't have to be just Black. You just got to be reading it. That's all. Just want to read and listen. You just got to be literate. Yes. Or and, get the audiobook. And get the audiobook. And we're also looking for sponsors to sponsor the Kink in My Hair on tour. So if anybody's listening with a lot of money, give me a shout out. <laughs> our listeners are very rich, so you're in luck. Thank you so much, Trey. Before our clock ticks out, uh, this was absolutely such a joy. And I want to thank you because I was very queer when this conversation started. And you, Trey Anthony, have made me queerer than ever. Woo! Goal achieved. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Thank you, Trevor, so much. Thank you. Happy rainbows. Yes, you too. Bye bye. Queer, 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 queer.
that was a fun one, right? Thank you so much, Trey. So that is our show. You can mail me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And uh, cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Sean Van Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more from music, check out lavenderbruisers.fancamp.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at You Made Me Queer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.